Welcome back to following Know It on a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 118, and we are continuing to talk about Rhythm of War, slowly and steadily chomping our way through it. Chapters 61 through 64 this week. Elliot, how are you? I'm good. I'm I'm very good. Some more, some more engineering stuff in this chapter. Get ready. Yes, there is. Paul? Doing great. I'm excited to, to go forward more. Do you guys have two words to summarize or highlight this episode? Paul? Yeah, uh, my two words are... One is kind of self-explanatory when I say it's emulsifier. And the second word is kata with question marks. Specifically with a question mark on the end. Okay. I have a question mark on that too. Elliot? Mine are redundant sources. Sounds good. Let us use these four words and talk about rhythm of war. All right, Paul, I have to know, where, where is there a kata in here? I don't... Well, can I talk about my other word first? You do whatever you need to. Uh, well, it's not really compared to that, but I'll, I'll just get to kata second. Um, uh, my first word is emulsifier, and we may talk about this a little bit more into the chapter, but do want to mention it. This is kind of self-explanatory. Our first chapter is called Oil and Water, and it talks about how oil and water can't mix unless there's an emulsifier or some kind of extra agent to let them mix. And so I've been trying to think, what is our emulsifier going to be? In my head right now, all I'm going to say is I feel like the most obvious thing might be like a Dalinar or some kind of bondsmith, something that's going to bring things together. Seems like a natural emulsifier idea thing. So I thought that was really cool. That got my mind racing going into these chapters this week. Um, but <laughs> chapter 64 is where I'm saying kata, but because not necessarily because no, no one actually does a, a, a kata. I'm also questioning every time I say this kata, kata. Um, but Yasna is here just swinging her shard blade around. Yes. Correctly, and I feel like a lot of the descriptive words like were reminiscent of like kind of the gracefulness of a kata. And she was also, I almost said stance or stances for my word because it definitely seemed like she knew what she was doing. She like okay. doesn't do this, but she knew what she was doing. And I thought it was really neat imagery, uh, other than the like violence, but like you know, um, and so that was like, does she? Would she do a kata? Like, does she know them? I just had questions about her knowledge of, like, actual physical combat outside of, like, we know her knowledge right. is is really high, but her, like, combat-specific knowledge, I end up thinking about that. So that's why I said that. So Sounds good. We'll revisit that. Elliot? So my two words were redundant sources, which... Only a little bit go together. They're actually kind of separate. So redundancy is what I want to talk about in one of my engineering splainings. If you guys let me go and talk for too long about something random. 
But then sources, kind of tying into the redundant sources, I liked our our exploration into the different lights, the stormlight, void light, can they mix, all of that. I'm really intrigued by that discussion and like where that's going to go. I'm really curious. Yeah, there's multiple people in these chapters that will be investigating different types of light and how many different types of light we actually see in front of us. There might be more than you can see. Anyway, let us jump to chapter 61, which we're talking about light in this chapter. So that, that's a good good segue for us. Did you talk about your other word, Elliot? Yeah, I did. I t- I'm going to engineering explain later. That's my other yeah, one. Yeah, got it. And I loved, like, there was a quote Navani thinks to herself at the very beginning of this chapter, she's like, I need to take a crash course in light. And I, I read that and I was like, Hey, m- me too. Like, let's, let's learn together. I need, I need the crash course on void light and storm light and all that. Sounds, sounds good. We open the chapter from last bridging from last episode. Kaladin has, collapsed after his fight with Raboniel and the pursuer he comes he comes back to his hiding spot he collapses and Navani finally hears from him after he wakes up and Kaladin's all you know depressed and distraught he's like I I failed the the node was was destroyed I had to destroy it and Navani it is she's pretty forgiving of that which I mean I mean it's unfortunate that that's what it had to come to, but Kaladin needs somebody to to cheer him up. So it's it, it's good that Kaladin has Navani to talk to. So they trade dialogue back and forth, and Navani thinks to herself by the end of this chapter. Well, back up. Kaladin tells her about the Oathgate and says, "I didn't get down to the Oathgate in time to 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 see how they were doing it, but it did." glow with void light and i um so so i know that much and i've got some span reads for you and so navani thinks to herself at the end of this chapter wait i have this really really dumb lift glove over here in a box that kaladin could actually use pretty pretty well here so let's let's give him that and see what he can do with it what did you guys think of our, uh, do, do you guys remember our Rhythm of War episode that you guys weren't allowed to watch that we had like a year and a half ago at this point? It came up on my YouTube recommended today and I was like, well, I still don't think I can watch this, but that's, two year, like a year later. That's yeah. pretty funny that it came up. Uh, we, we dubbed it our, we dubbed it the Iron Man gauntlet in, in that episode. So we can, we can talk about it, talk about it like that so what do you guys think of the iron man gauntlet i i too named it that in my my headcanon it just seemed easier to refer to at than whatever else you want to try and explain it as fabrial type i thought i thought it was pretty cool i, I thought this thing was pretty cool and when we first you know discovered it and the ardent guy was 
super excited about his design that and you know Navani's like uh man this is not very safe like we can't use this and then here we are with it being like the one thing that now we can use to travel around so i don't know pretty cool i i am going to engineering explain about it but i can wait till later if you want me to i say go ahead personally yeah go ahead we can talk about it you can bridge 61 and 63 yeah, I, I don't think I drew the same conclusions about this as you, so I'm I'm excited to hear the engineering perspective. It it's probably not gonna be as exciting as as you might be thinking, but yeah, it's it's later in chapter sixty-three where Kaladin is is testing it out, right? And he's he's trying it, he's practicing with it. Kaladin's really smart, right? He actually he knows that he needs to practice with it if he's ever gonna, you know, have to use it in a in a tough situation. So he's he's smart there. But then he's not so smart when he smashes himself into the wall and the the contraption is like crushing his hand while he's trying to, you know, disengage it. So that that not so good. Which at first engineering note on that, generally when you're designing a product for use by the public you have to go through like an idiot proofing process where you have to brainstorm all the ridiculous ways someone might use your product and see if you can idiot proof it so that no one goes and and <laughs> destroys something or themselves with what you're doing this design clearly has not been through the the idiot proofing step in the the process yet so don't think we can go to market but uh we're it's still a good idea the second part and this is actually what got me most interested or what i most thought about is redundancy so redundancy is the is a term for designing something that has protections against failure if your if your device if whatever you have is redundant a, a component can fail and there's a backup component that kicks in to you know cover for that one that can fail it's really important for devices just like this that are going to get used in like dangerous situations. You know, if, if Kaladin is going to use this to like fly out over, you know, a huge expanse to try and travel up your if this thing stops working when he's, you know, up in the middle of nowhere, that's going to end really badly. And so I was looking in the description of, because remember, this this Iron Man gauntlet is a fabrial that's paired to these really heavy stones that drop slowly down this shaft. So when he engages it, the heavy weight goes down the shaft, which is you know that reverse paired fabrial that Navani's been able to design that then lifts Kaladin in whatever direction he wants to go. Well, if any of those ropes get frayed or weak, or somebody and any one of them. them. Or somebody goes and cuts them, or any any number, a, a rat gets in there and chews on the the rope, or a Kremlin. Sorry, Kremlin. If anything at all happens to those ropes, if they break, if a Kremlin gets in there and and chews on them, and Kaladin tries to fly, and one of those ropes snaps, uh, he's gonna die a very gruesome death potentially. So, I would have hoped that the engineer or Ardent in this case, who designed it, would have designed some redundancy into the system, but it does not appear to be the case. So hopefully Calvin will be very careful as he uses his not redundant device. Is he going to... He's not even going to drop out of the sky. He's going to get yanked 
in the direction that he's pointing until he hits something. Yeah, probably. And even and even past that he hits something, he's going to get further pushed into that object. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah, the weight of that stone is just going to smash him against whatever he runs into. Yeah. Fun. Didn't it say at some point it's like it was like breaking his arms or something, but he yeah. just was like healing yep. or doing being Kaladin, you know? Yes, he crushes his hand against the wall that he runs into and still is like, yeah, I thought it'd be funny if you crashed with this, but that wasn't that funny. Don't do not do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, bottom line, very cool, but very dangerous device. Indeed. All right, let us go back and talk about light because Raboniel makes the assumption that you cannot combine stormlight and void light and she dismisses them as opposites and says well what you can't combine opposites in nature that just doesn't happen like you know like oil and water she says something else as well for an example light and dark maybe um night and day and Rabonia or sorry Navani is thinking to herself well, let's let's pause on light for a second. Oil and water aren't opposites. They're, they're certainly different, and they push each other. But you can combine them if you have an emulsifier, which is, Paul, your, your word over there. And so that begins her thinking, like, can you apply this to light? Is that is that something that you can... Can you combine light and she kind of muses on that for a little while so what go ahead yeah i had a lot of thoughts on this like several one so i'm gonna take i'm gonna make an assumption here for the point of this what all i'm about to say because i think there's one of two things ish that could happen is either this is pointing towards a major point where at some point we're going to find what might be this emulsifier for light and what can be used to combine light, which is going to be a major key in life for defeating Odium, all sorts of stuff, right? Um, it's either that or it's just a, a hypothesis that doesn't come to fruition. But I'm going to say that this is a major point right now. So if that is a major point, then... I had a lot of thought. I had a lot of like questions, things that are we've always thought of that are probably very different now. My biggest thought was our dark sphere. We know our dark sphere is different from all the others. It's different from a void light sphere. It's obviously different from a stormlight sphere. Light kind of warps around it, um, and it gives off kind of like a what was it like a violet light or looking like it emitted darkness itself? Was that what it was? Yeah. Um I get the descriptions of that and void light mixed up a little bit honestly in my head. Uh but my guess if Gavilar way back when was saying he knows a way to bring the singer gods back, I'm wondering if he knew of what might be this emulsifier. And maybe this dark sphere was the big key or evidence that it worked. Uh, and maybe our first example of like 
it might be combined void light and stormlight. It might be. We we don't really know, but that's where my mind went. It was like, is this like is our dark sphere that? Because if so, that would honestly, at least in my head right now, make sense of how this is starting to tie in, um, of what Gavilar knew, what he was working on, and all all sorts of stuff. Mostly, I, I'm I'm kind of curious if y'all had any thoughts on this on on our dark sphere with this context of combined combining light. Maybe it's a combination of more than two lights. Maybe it's a who knows. I feel like there's a just. We've had this base understanding of stormlight and a new thing of void light, uh, and we've even heard mentioned now of like life light, right? Yes. Um, this like third one, and so who who knows how many are out there at this point? Who who knows? Because we haven't really seen these until now, so I'm thinking there could be more. Uh, but I, I'm curious if this conversation stirred some of those ideas in your mind. Um. Of of the dark sphere, or maybe what Gavilar knew, or all sorts of stuff, combining lights, or what it could mean. Like, what does it do? What happens if you suck in a stormlight, void light gemstone? Can you do that? Could Venley do that? I was gonna say that was an interesting question. Would you have to have both Spren bonded to do that, or? That's a good question. If so, if so, then the only thing that we know about life light, right, is that Lyft uses it. You could. Really? We don't know that, but yes, she does. Okay, like, okay. That, that hasn't okay. been like confirmed it's... for you, but yes. Okay, I thought it. I thought it said that somewhere, but I or, or it mentioned, uh, yeah, eff- effectively yes, I guess. Uh, and so I was wondering, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely intrigued by this emulsifier idea and I'm immediately trying to identify candidates for substances that might work. Yeah. Dark sphere. Yeah. Definitely on the list could potentially be either stuff already mixed or something that might help you mix these different investitures. Lift is an interesting part of this. Venley is a super interesting part of this. All this curiosity about, you know, Stormlight and Voidlight and their interactions from these characters, but we we have a character who uses both or who interacts with both. Mm-hmm. She's probably the the study that that we need or that Navani and Rabonio need to answer mm-hmm. their questions. Do you guys Back think? Whole... Do you guys think just real... Kaladin is on that list because he's still awake, or is Kaladin just because? So f- right now the explanation on Kaladin is he's far enough along on his oaths that he's awake still, but Teft is on the same ideal as him, and he's not awake. So could. Kaladin be tied to cultivation more than we think? Or is that a... Well, well, that wouldn't make sense for Teft, but in my head it's because one of his surges is supposedly not of honor, right? 
Mm. And so wasn't that what the thing was? His search or his his um, adhesion is not of honor. Adhesion is purely of honor. Everything else has combined honor and cultivation power. Okay. That I had that backwards in my mind. But in my head, that's the reason why he can still use it. You know, like, like was because it maybe wasn't of honor and honor stuff was shut down, but maybe it was vice versa. Um, uh, I, yeah, I could, yeah, I'm on track so with I what you're saying. But then the rules that we... The, yeah, the rules that we know of so far is that adhesion should be super shut down, right? Because we've we've attacked honors. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, but maybe we've actually attacked cultivations surges and not honors. Yeah, for a while, I think we were assuming that stormlight was powering the tower, right? And we've we've recently learned that I think they even use the term tower light, tower light at yes. one point in these in these chapters. To reference what is apparently a mix of the two. Yep. Because that's where we get into the whole discussion of, well, if you can mix Stormlight and Lifelight, does it make sense that you could mix Stormlight and Voidlight? Which it seems like the, it seems plausible. Back to the whole Gavilar part of this. I, I wonder similar things about our dark sphere and Gavilar. Like, did Gavilar know more than we think he did? And if so, man, that guy knew a lot. Yeah. Like we, we are quite a ways down the rabbit hole at this point of our characters, you know, discovering new things. And maybe potentially Gavilar's already was at this level. Like, wow. That's true. And in, in my head, it makes way more sense of why this is so important. Yeah. Was it, it wasn't like so important to him. And like, groundbreaking and I, I haven't seen anything that's really pointed towards our dark sphere actually being important it's been a big mystery but not really held any like importance of weight but this could be a big thing because i don't it could just play into the whole like unite them like kind of story trope and like kind of what we know with with all of that like like a way to connect our different parties I guess are different sides. Yeah. I think up until this point, you're supposed to assume that the dark sphere that Gavilar had was void light, but there may be implications of that's not the case. It could be a combination of something or something else. Or, yeah, that at the very end of chapter 61, Navani has, they're talking about, you know, opposites. Does light have opposites? And Rabonio's convinced that there are opposites. Mm-hmm. So, but if it's not void light, what else is out there? That's a good question. So yeah, as usual, more questions than answers when we started the chapter, but at least some answers. I will briefly bring up that Trevor has a big theory, right? That there's a fourth shard 
Adonalsium on Roshar. And I think that would play nicely into this whole, like, all these combined lights. Like, maybe this is all of the lights combined in one. Maybe that's what the Dark Star is, or we, we don't know that. That's a very big thing. But, or maybe this is light from the fourth fourth shard, you know? Uh, I, I'm I'm starting to like that more and more as we're learning about these lights. As That's what I was thinking of. Is, it, is this my Unity shard theory? I don't remember the name of it. I just remember that you thought there was another shard of ad nauseum on, on Roshar. Okay, yeah. The uh, Yeah, so I, I had to keep them straight. I have another one, which I haven't told you yet. But <laughs> um, yes, I do have a theory that there is a, a fourth shard named Unity on, on Roshar that nobody knows about. I wonder what color Unity would have. Yeah. Combine all the colors I... to get white or black. White. Black. <laughs> like like whenever you mix all the colors and paint and it turns to brown or black or something, you know? Yeah. But that's you what that's what it's absorbing anyway. That's Yeah, what... you have some physics that's uh, fictional. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, fictional physics. Um, that's why it's called physics, right? It's yeah, it's all fictional. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Mo- um, moving on. Yep. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I think. We're, yeah. Um. <laughs> that's funny. But but uh, last thing I want to say on that is, whenever I started thinking about that, I s- felt more strongly about Trevor about your theory of there being this fourth shard. Because I feel like this would be this is such a big reveal of like oh my goodness all these lights can combine what are we gonna do and then later being like whoa there's another one you can combine and that was you know and and so I think that'd be a really good reveal. It so. it also could fit that whole discussion I think fits potentially into our discussion on motives for the ghost bloods okay. because if we start to talk about We've got different shards, and we've got investiture associated with those shards and combining them into different possibilities and powers and whatnot and so forth. The the follow-on question from that is, okay, well, what if I take investiture from the shard Honor off of this planet over to this other planet where there's another shard and another type of investiture and start mixing those powers together. This starts to fit into the, like, what are the ghost bloods doing? Cause we know they're interplanetary. We know that they're invest in interested in moving of investiture. We kind of assume that it's for like monetary gain, but what if it's more of like a, Hey, I'm trying to figure out how to get stormlight off of Roshar, so I can go over to wherever and mix it with whatever other powers are out there and see what happens. Like, is that what they're after, potentially? I actually am gonna... I don't don't think that is it. One, because I don't know if there's a way to get other investiture, like, as light. We haven't seen other investiture on other planets as light. It's all, like based off of different systems that are very, very, very different. Maybe mm-hmm. there's some way to like break it down that investiture and do that, which would be cool. But two, I'm actually going to go very meta into Hoid with, or, or not meta, but like large scale with Hoid. We kind of know his 
goal, right? Is kind of to isn't it to like rejoin the shards? No, we have, I don't know. So we hypothesize that. Okay, okay, we hypothesize that. In my head, if there is a way to do that, then it would have to do in in some extent of like combining these lights, or maybe that on a huge scale. And so I feel like Hoyd would be more involved or know about the ghost bloods or in some way be connected to that. Um, if that's like his mission and his stuff that he's done for eons. So I, I don't know. Un unsure on that. There, there's, there's a lot of, this is the classic. They mention one thing and it's like, wow. Okay. Now we just rethink everything <laughs> we've ever thought about everything ever. So this has good tie-ins to chapter 64 which we can talk about because at the end of chapter 64 there are name drops on ghost bloods and hoid we get a, a new name drop of thydekar who we have th th if i say thydekar what does that mean to you guys it means nothing other than I think it's been name dropped before with no context. I think it's been one of those, you know, single words sitting on my long list of questions. I have at end of books for probably three or four books now. Right. Thydekar is the, the, the name dude associated with the ghost bloods. That's like, you know, all we know, but now that we talk about ghost bloods goals and getting light off Roshar to combine other things. And then Hoyd in the, in the very next chapter, well, it's chapter 64, he discovers a sleepless was hiding in his tent, and Yasna and Hoyd kind of freak out, and then Hoyd says, all right, uh, I got to tell you about the Ghostbloods and Thydekar, and that's how the chapter, you know, we don't get to tune in long enough to hear that conversation, of course, thanks, Brandon, but we, they, they do, do bring it back up, so that's interesting, coincidence, that it's a couple chapters later? Okay. Enough. Uh... Yeah, it's probably just a coincidence. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Totally. Let's reel in our full Cosmere uh, implications and Cosmere theories, and let's talk about an Eshenai flashback chapter. Eshenai, we we jump into chapter sixty-two. Eshenai wants to unite the listeners under one nation, and up until now. I feel like we've assumed they were, right? Like the, they always they always were. They were just one, you know, city state in the shattered plains that just had been undiscovered. But she says there's several, maybe like what would she say, eight different families, eight different different tribes, or something like that. And, yeah, eight or ten or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so she's that they're living in where the war camps will be. The the Yulethi war camps will be those old cities that are big circle craters at, at the edge of the shattered plains. So they're living there and they, yeah, they have a couple different things in this chapter. What would you guys think of the Eshenai uniting all of her, her people here? I almost kind of thought about it as I feel like this is probably Harkening back to a discussion way back in like Way of Kings, where we would always use the term Spren politics to refer to just like the ongoings with the Spren. Yes. I feel like this is kind of 
ongoings with the singers that I only slightly, only a little bit care about right now because I got way bigger things to worry about. And so I, I kind of read this with a little bit of surprise. Cause like you said, I think this was news like, Oh, there were different like nations or families or whatever of, of singers of listeners at this point. Oh, okay. Didn't know that moving on. I, I didn't really dwell on it too much. Do you have anything, Paul, before I talk about it for a second? No, you got it. The only... The the bigger implications I had, or I took away from this chapter, was Timber. So, if we... If you guys remember, Timber was attracted to Eshenai before Venli. And if Eshenai is on this whole unite all of my people storyline why is she getting a truth watcher spren wait sorry will shaper spren that's what i meant will shaper spren do okay yeah i'm sorry um do will shapers have to do with like they they don't have an adhesion surge though that's bondsmith and windrunner why are we getting a will shaper Spren attracted to Eshenai here. The the only path, only thought path I think I can walk down here is we still don't know much about Will Shapers, right? At all. But we got a clue recently when Venley tried to say an oath. Yes. And it was rejected. Yes. And what she tried to say was along the lines of I will free those who are in bondage. There you go. I knew it had to be with like, yeah, rescuing or, or saving or setting people free. So free those in bondage. If Venley's on the right track there and that is the correct ideal, if, if that's kind of the something close to the mantra of the, the Will Shapers, which maybe that's an assumption that's incorrect at this point because it, maybe it was rejected because she was wrong. But assuming that is right and it just was the wrong timing for Venley, that seems like it could fit for me here. It seems like the listeners are in, or, or singers maybe at a, at a bigger level, are in bondage at this point. Okay. That, that is kind of the state of their people at this point. So if Eshenai is, is pulling them together to try and free them, maybe those align? Okay. Yeah, I could, I could buy that. There's there's enough assumptions in there to I think make that theory kind of tenuous, but I think it's all we got right now. That's fair. At the end of this chapter, Eshenai and Venli find common ground of saving their mother. And Eshenai and Venli have really been at odds with each other in these flashback chapters and rivals and jealous and all that fun stuff. But Eshenai is trying to find a way to save her mother from old age. And Venli says, well, yeah, that's why I've been pursuing this from the beginning was so that our mom can take another form and be healed. And so they, they convince her to take war form in, in the next high storm. So, Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I totally get them trying to do whatever they can to save her, to heal her. 
but sending her off to take war form. I mean, I, I guess it's a form of higher power strength, those types of things. Maybe that's what they're thinking, but I don't know. When, when I think of war form in my head, I don't think of healing. It does. I don't know. I don't think it's going to work. Paul, do you think it's going to work? No. I I always kind of want to play for for both sides of a thing, but I don't think it's going to work. I mean, we kind of already know the answer, right? Because we've we've seen her mother in present day or closer to present day and and she was pretty far gone. Right. She was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a interesting one. All right. Um uh, 63. We talked most about this. Anything else for for 63 besides pulling being getting pulled down the hallway by gemstones? There was one other thing I felt was important in here because it tied into something we've talked about multiple times over the last three or four episodes, and that's what I'm dubbing the the sad sill moments. We've been getting a bunch of of sad sill moments where she goes dark for a bit and then kind of like comes back to her normal self. Syl has a bit of a revelation about this in this chapter. She recalls a conversation she had with Dalinar that I completely forgot that is quite relevant to this whole question. And that is Syl asked Dalinar. I don't remember exactly when this was happening, but Syl like left Kaladin for a while. This is her own interlude. She, she, this is the, from the point of view of Syl between parts one and part two. Yeah. Yeah. And she, Syl goes to Dalinar and, and asks him to let her share in Kaladin's thoughts, like his his darker side of his thoughts, so that she can help him. And Dalinar ultimately says no, pretty much. Yeah. That he's not going to do that. But Syl's recalling this like, well, hang on a second. That seems like what is happening here. Did Dalinar say no, but yet something changed there? Something did happen there that is enabling what's happening to Syl? Is she sharing some of Kaladin's thoughts is some of Kaladin kind of bleeding over into her here, which I think we theorized might be the case already. Anyway, there was some in-story perhaps evidence for that, or Sills kind of asking some of the same questions we are that I had totally forgotten about. That could be a, an explanation for this. Yeah, that's uh I, I could say I forgot about it, but I didn't. I just didn't bring it up. I, I, it's, I it's, it makes me feel, it makes me feel a little bit better, actually, about all this, because I think I mentioned before, I'm, I'm, I'm really worried about Syl because if this is not the influence of Dalinar or someone else, that, and it is the influence of someone much more nefarious, that makes me really worried. Right. Moash or Odium or or whatever, but if this is just Dalinar boosting the connection that Syl and Kaladin have, 
that's not nearly as scary as, uh oh, Sills getting corrupted by evil sort of thing. Right. Paul, do you have another thought on it? Well, it was more general about our like Sill moments. Um, I feel like it's been a while. I mean, I could be wrong. I could be rem- remembering incorrectly, but I feel like it's been a while since we've had a like happy-go-lucky sill moment, like goofiness. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, they they are have they've been in dire circum- circumstances in this tower for a while, so it's not like stuff to make fun of. You know, uh, which makes sense. But it, it really has been like a more serious side of sill. I don't, I don't even want to open the conversation of the like. Well, is this how Kaladin is thinking of Sil? You know, all, all the stuff like that, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it just seems like that. I mean, they're both having to buckle down because they're in a serious scenario um, trying to escape, but also save all sorts of stuff. But I just kind of the observation that I don't remember our last like big Sil moment or chapter with like goofiness, you know? I feel like the last one was right before the tower went down. She was joking with the, you know, our heroes in the tavern. I think that was the last one that we, that we had. All right. Chapter 64. Elliot, you have on the outline epigraph sand. I, I I will admit I don't didn't take note of the epigraph here. What what are you talking about here? The the epigraph of this chapter sparked a thought. And actually it's not just chapter sixty four. I think it's chapter sixty three and maybe one of the other ones as well. Do you want me to read them? Uh yeah, that'd be good actually. I think it, it's probably just sixty three and sixty four. Uh it's sixty one as well. Okay, yeah, then go. In other circumstances, I would be fascinated by this sand to the point of abandoning all other rational pursuits. What is this? Where did it come from? I am told that it is not the sand itself, but something that grows upon it, that exhibits the strange properties one can make more with proper materials and a seed of the original. The sand originated off-world, It is one of such amazing wonders that comes from other lands. I have recently obtained a chain from the lands of the dead, said to be able to anchor a person through cognitive anomalies. I fail to see what use it could be to me, as I am unable to leave the Rosharan system. But it is a priceless object, nonetheless. This is appropriate since we've been talking about the grander Cosmere a few times on, on this episode already. When the, when sand was first brought up in that first one, I was, I was like, okay, great. Another random reference to something that I know nothing about. Okay. Moving on. But then that last one, the one for chapter 64 says this sand originates from off world. That sparked a light bulb because I remembered, we know about a very specific sand originating from another world because we read a short story or actually a comic book graphic novel about a world with special sand with powers. And I can't even properly remember the name of that story. Was it, was it just simply 
White Sands? It's White Sands. Is that I was a- going to say, I thought it was White Sands or something. Yes. <laughs> okay. I when, I when I hear that name, I think of the... Uh, the, the military test range down in, in New Mexico called White Sands. But the <laughs> White Sands story, um, we saw sand with with power, with investiture, and you even explained to us a little bit about it. And so that, uh, I, I remember that when, when this epigraph mentioned it. So I don't know why it's relevant. I still don't know who this is, but whoever it is has some sand from whatever that planet was. I could be wrong on this. In comment section, feel free to correct me. But Hoyd also has sand that he has used on screen before. Do you guys remember the scene of Shalon shows up to Kolinar and under siege Kolinar, and Hoyd is telling a story to the crowd? Do you remember this scene? Yeah. He has a vial of sand with him. And I don't remember exactly what he does with it, but Hoyt has a vial of sand with him. That's interesting. I did not remember the sand. I remember Hoyt telling the story because then later on, he also has a, a powerful talk with Shalon or yep. Vale, which is pretty cool. But yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all that Hoyt would have some sand. We already know he's a well-traveled chap. Yes, indeed. So anyway, epigraph about sand. Not just Anakin Skywalker's least favorite thing. Could it be Hoyt's most powerful thing? Mm, Maybe. Mm, Probably. Doubt it. All right. We get a Yasna point of view chapter. The last time we had one of these was part five of Oathbringer when she's about to chop Renarin's head off. So since then, Yasna has had, you know, a couple character developments. She originally wanted to hunt down all the uh, heralds and kill them all, but she has... Is a boyfriend? Well, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. It's complicated. It's complicated. I mean, she says herself in this chapter... It's complicated. So whatever that means. Anytime someone says it's complicated, there, there's something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of... Yeah, there's definitely something. And so she joins her military on the on the very front lines. And did you guys catch her shard plate? This is yes. Knight's Radiant 4, Tier 4, Level 4 shard plate. She commands it to dim... And it does. Shard plate does not glow, uh, but hers does, and she commands it to dim to look like normal shard plate, so she will not be recognized. So she is. I mean, I think we had it confirmed before this, but she is fourth ideal, at least, um, night radiant. So, yeah, here we are again, just casually yasna is three steps ahead of everybody else you know yep it's like all the rest of them are off just figuring out oh what's a radiant oh squires i get squires yasna's just over here walking into battle with full ideal four shard plate yeah no big deal (laughs) 
she is fighting against the singers here and she's deliberately not using her full radiant powers because she wants to feel the terror feel the adrenaline of war and so she's kind of fighting against her what are now instincts of oh yeah i can just soul cast that guy to fire real quick no i'm gonna i'm gonna sword fight this guy so i can know what it's like to sword fight this guy granted she's in shard plate with her radiant blade but um she 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 also i i assume she did use a stormlight to you know fight off fatigue as everybody does but is couldn't you argue that that's just kind of irresponsible of her to not use all of her like not the fact that she's going into battle but the fact that she's deliberately not using all of her powers aren't there soldiers around her dying because she's not being as efficient as possible here yeah, I think there's a couple of ways that you could say she's being like irresponsible. Well, one, do we know her motives for why she's doing this? I know it's like some research thing. She's trying to really the, get a feel for the battle kind of thing. Yeah, the mink the mink applauds her on this at the end of the chapter because he she wants to know the the real cost uh, of war and what she's what she's putting her her soldiers through and Dalinar is supportive of that for her of you need to go experience it for yourself that's why she's here although her her spren ivory ivory thank you her spren ivory kind of calls her out on that a little bit actually at one point in this where Yasna says that's why she's doing, but then Ivory is kind of like, eh, is that actually why you're doing this? And then I'm not sure if they actually close that that loop, but I think it's implied, or at least what I'm reading into that is that I think she's also trying to keep, she's still going down the how how much can I upset the norms path. Yeah, She's trying to execute massive change in Alethkar. She's uh, she's trying to change all the old traditions. She's mentioned there not being a monarch after this. She's mentioned, I don't know, free, abolishing free slavery. Yep. Yeah. Slavery, all these kind of things. No, here, I'm going to duel you, kill you. And then now I'm going to abolish duels. No, no more duels. Anyone. So I, I think this is another moment where she may just be, you know, showing, Hey, Oh, and also, your queen can charge into battle. Your queen, who's a scholar, who's not a warrior, can also charge into battle with you. So I, I think she's just trying to kind of force the issue on a lot of things. You kind of stamp her her authority on it all, in addition to the figure out what battle's really like so I can identify with my soldiers. And I'm all for that. I just think she should be soul casting people into fire. At the same time, saving some lives of her of her men. I think maybe the counter argument for you there might be the reason she's not initially surge binding is because it would draw attention to her, and then the enemy forces are going to concentrate their power on her. Right. So perhaps if she does that, then all the people around her are going to get more attention from the enemy as well. So maybe you don't necessarily save their lives by doing that because you're just going to call in more enemy forces to come try and pound her unit into the ground. Maybe. Yeah, I'd buy that. That's a good point. 
I guess she can escape into Shadesmart, but I don't know if she can bring, you know, her battalion with her. Right. Elliot, you want to talk about the mink and wits uh, advice here? Yeah, you mentioned the mink already. The mink, Yasna has a conversation with both wit and the mink after she does this whole go into battle thing. And the mink, he, like you said, applauds her for it. He says, hey, that was that was really cool. You're going to win a lot of people over to your side by showing them that you're willing to go into battle with with you. Wit kind of goes a different direction with it of saying, hey, this isn't really your strength. Maybe you should focus on what you're good at. You don't have to be good at everything, and that's okay. I think that what, where he leaves, like the, the, the mic drop quote he kind of leaves her with is, use what you have, which I, I resonate with that advice for sure. You, you definitely can't hold yourself to you know, the highest standard in everything. No one's good at everything. Right. It's it's good advice to not try and be what you're not. But at the same time, I do think she's going to win a lot of people over with this. And it is a good thing to be able to identify with her soldiers so that she knows exactly what they're going through when she gives them orders to go into battle and whatnot. So I don't know. I could kind of see both sides of that, but it was two opposite reactions from her actions. Yeah. And then Hoyt freaks out. What does Hoyt freak out about? Sleepless sighting. We need like a, a sound effect. Like ding ding ding. The like I think of it what is it? Twilight? No, uh, Twilight Zone. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the sound. Welcome to Wait, we... a sleepless sighting. Dun 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 dun. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need something because they're popping up in random locations. This one, it's we're told specifically that Wit finds a sleepless Kremling in his pens. Yes, he finds a he finds a sleepless in his pens, and then they immediately assume or have to assume that it's Mister Sleepless that is defected to the Ghost Bloods. He knows all of our secrets. I have to write. 10 letters to 10 different people on 10 different planets about warning this guy or warning about this guy. So here we are. I, I got to say I'm way less bothered by this than wit apparently is because ever since Don Shard, I've just been assuming that the, all the sleepless are listening and on all the conversations that they're everywhere. They know everything Every little Kremlin you see in the corner is just a sleepless listening. So I, I've just kind of taken that as granted, all the sleepless know it all. So f- to have Wit be really bothered by the fact that, oh no, this sleepless just overheard all of our conversations, I'm just kind of like, eh, yeah, that's not news to me. That's fair. So my big question with this is when are our sleepless actually going to come into play? We've seen them in both of our novellas yep. like but the novellas have been like the sleepless no. time kind of like sleepless time pretty much yeah sleep literally sleepless nights i don't know what to call it um but surely they have to if they're in both novellas i, I can't imagine that they will just stay there like i feel like they're going to come into like 
we pseudo see them here, like in stuff, because we know what's going on. Uh, but but like when when uh, this is, I guess, kind of my question for Elliot, and I, I hypothetically maybe could ask Trevor this, but I'm not going to because depending on how you answer, I think it would change what I think might happen. Uh, but like Elliot, when do you th when do you think our sleepless fellows might come in if they come in? Do you think that'll be our big part of the end of this book? Maybe some like Sander Lanch kind of material, or is it going to be not in this book, like book five, if if at all? In my head, I see it coming in like near the end of this book, since Dawn Shard was a novella before this, um, and that seemed pretty. Maybe not driven by, but really touch like really affected by sleepless. Um, that maybe we're going to have not an entire tie-in, but like a an appearance, maybe. I I think I'm going to make a potentially bold prediction and say I don't think the sleepless. I think it's possible the sleepless may not actually be a key part of this story at all. I think they may always be the behind the scenes kind of actors and that they're going to impact the story. Maybe they show up, maybe they do make an appearance into this book. I could totally see that plausible, but they seem incredibly powerful, but I don't think they're the focus of this story. And I don't, I think it would, I think it would really derail the train if like they arrive on the scene halfway through book five and then all of a sudden now the story's all about sleepless. Like, right. and that, that would, true. that would completely take the wind out of a lot of sales. And when I say a lot of sales, I mean a lot of story threads that are all kind of progressing. Sleepless kind of taking over the show would just kind of swoop all of that aside and we'd be left with like a, you know, okay, maybe we we sort of saw that coming because we got some sleepless stuff coming, but I I, I don't know. That seems counterproductive to the the telling of a of a tale. Yeah. So I think they may always be the kind of off screen type characters where stuff will happen and we'll always be left wondering, was that the sleepless? Was it not? You know, they're always going to be the the boogeyman. You know, in the closet. That's like, oh, maybe that was the sleepless that did that. I I think that's my theory. That's actually pretty good. Uh, I, I thinking about that further. That makes a lot of sense because, assuming if you haven't read Edge Dancer or Dawn Shard, we have no idea realistically. Like we haven't really seen or heard of them much or at all in our main books. So it would it would be out of left field to to have them pop into our main series without further warning or. Something like that. Unless that, I, I could see it be some kind of tie-in or whatever where it's like, I don't know, some big war scene and maybe they're on Odium's side and Odium like pulls out Sleepless and they're these big warriors or something. Like, we find out what they're from, what they're working for in kind of like a blink of an eye. Um, But other than that, yeah, it's not going to be like a a totally new thing because we have the whole odium dilemma with the singers and whatnot. And then I feel like we have the ghost bloods. Yeah. 
and the political drama. I personally would trade Ghost Blood stuff for the Sleepless because I'll say I don't care much about the Ghost Bloods at all. They've been, ever since maybe the, our second book, I was like, it's bigger fish to fry. I'm not invested. Guess I won't show you the latest tattoo that I got then. Okay. I'm just kidding. Of course. The, <laughs> I, I will say, of course, that uh, I do think Risen is going to come into play at some point. And, and with Risen, I think the Sleepless kind of are going to come into play as well. So I don't think they'll completely be, for out, completely be out of the picture. So this may be important that we just learned that a, a Sleepless is tied in with the, the Ghost Bloods. But yeah, I don't think it'll be anything too massive. So here's my, my two cents. I think the Sleepless are either the main protagonists or main antagonists of a different story. And sure. I and I think the novella I think their appearances in Stormlight are the equivalent of Warbreaker for Stormlight. Like that that they're tied, they you get way more out of it if you have read that, but we are going to get a sleepless book later. I, I, I think it might happen on Roshar. I don't think it will be it, I doubt it would happen on Roshar. I think that would be they they will be somewhere else, um, and I think that's just going to be Stormlight adjacent and not Stormlight focused. Yeah, I had thought about isn't after Stormlight five isn't there supposed to be kind of a novella that is Hoyd perspective or some kind of book? There, yeah. Um, there's this change a lot. Um, there's a. That there is an unpublished novel called Dragonsteel, um, which is about Hoyd, but we don't know okay. much about that. Okay, in my head, before before that, that was like kind of a bridge or a book after book five. That's almost like novella level, um, and so in my head, there could be like a the Stormlight adjacent story of like Edge Dancer, Dawn Shard, and whatever that is after Stormlight 5 or something. And like Hoyd ties it. My, my brain is just running. But yes, I see what you're saying. It could be something adjacent, but not in line with, not the focus. Right. But we do get the, the Ghost Blood name drop. Sorry, Paul, if you're bored by, by Ghost Bloods. But Hoyd is freaking out about a potential ghost blood sighting here. And then he name drops slide car and the CNETs. So, you know, oh, oh well. Guess that name is staying on my list of questions. I still have since who knows how long. I mean, the first time we heard the name was the prologue of the way of Kings. So Gavilar assumes it's the who has ordered his death. Back to the whole, Gavilar sure knew a lot, didn't he? He definitely knew more than uh, we knew. I think he knew more than we know now. We still have more to go to catch up to him. Definitely might. Definitely might. I haven't had one of these moments in a while where I know a lot more than you do. 
<laughs> and I just get to laugh at this. It's been a while. I enjoyed that one. I gloating. Gloating is the word you're looking for. Yes. Basking in my upper hand, yes. <laughs> is I have a guess as to why you know more. But I I don't know anything. But I have my guess is I know that prologue to the book five is out. I haven't read it, and please do not give me a yes or no confirmation if this is true, because I do not want to know who the prospective character is, but maybe it's Gavilon, and maybe that's why you know so much more. Possible. Mm -hmm. Anything else for this episode, gentlemen? Nothing else, just lots more reading to do. I hate sand. It's rough, rough and of course. Coarse and... It's everywhere. <laughs> Star Wars memes. All right, we'll reconvene next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. Later. Bye-bye.